three, two, one. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Phenomenal Podcast. My name is Fionn, as you all know. Thanks for joining me again on another episode. Another day, it's a Sunday today, Sunday the uh, 17th of December, 2017. Uh, I'm going to upload this episode tomorrow, so um, because everyone else is out of the house right now, so I don't have to... I don't have to worry about anybody, you know, I get a bit embarrassed when I'm recording them, so I don't really want anyone to hear what I'm talking about or hear me um, saying it, but I think that's just a confidence thing, I'll get I'll get over that. Also, I don't want to be a, um, a pain in the ass to anyone else's plans, you know, Some if someone's on the phone, I don't want to have to, I don't want them to have to listen to a 40 minute monologue. Um, but as you can see, today's, ta- today's um, podcast episode is called Being an Athlete. And um, it's a, a concept I'll get into in a moment, but it's something I'm really passionate about and something I feel like the fitness industry needs more of because, you know, I've mentioned it a few times, but I am a personal trainer. I do have a Cert 3 and 4 in fitness. Um, and I would, um, you know, classify myself a good personal trainer. I, you know, there, are, there wouldn't be too many PTs who would have the basis of knowledge straight off the bat that I have. Um and, you know, that's the other thing. I think if PTing isn't, like, if training isn't your passion, don't go into PT. Um, because the way I see it is when you do a PT course, you shouldn't actually learn anything, if that makes sense. Like, nothing you learn in terms of a, a, tra- a training perspective should be, if it's a passionate, if it's a passion for you, none of that should be new information. You should pretty much know everything. I didn't learn anything on my Cert 3-4. It was pretty much just me getting the qualification to show people that I'm the real deal. Um, but th- for me, I didn't really learn any new information training-wise. I knew it all. Um, and that's not like me being cocky or anything. That's just me saying, like, it's a an interest of mine and a passion of mine. Like, I train every single day. I think I've gone... To be honest, I need to have a rest day at some point. I've had about... I think today is going to be my 10th training day in a row... Um, of, of weight training and conditioning. So strength conditioning, cause I am running, um, I am running a program at the minute, which is basically what it is, is I'm calling it the ultimate athlete program. So what it is for me is it's about being as strong as conditioned and as, and by conditioning, I don't mean bodybuilding conditioning, like being lean. I mean, conditioned as in anaerobic, you know, aerobic capacity, you know, being able, if I needed to go and, you know, run 5k, I could, you know, that's the kind of situation I want to be in. I don't want to, you know, it is a goal of mine at some point in, I don't know how long, but I will run a marathon at some point, a 42 kilometer marathon. I know I will, um, because I just need to challenge myself athletically. That's why I've sort of taken up this powerlifting gig. Um, I, I don't compete in powerlifting, but I do train somewhat like a powerlifter, um, you know, I squat bench, squat bench press and deadlift a fair amount, like a quite often, quite frequently. Um, but for me, the being the ultimate athlete is, as I said before, it's about being strong. It's about being conditioned, but it's also about being explosive. So when we talk about being explosive, we talk about exercises that are very rapid on the force velocity curve. Um, it's about just being as qu- doing things quick and being a powerful athlete. You know, when I think of explosive athletes, I think of people like shot putters, 100 meter sprinters, 
you know, those kind of athletes who are able to ex- like um, expel force very, very rapidly, they are extremely athletic, which is why I think, um, it, like, if in Australia we are so behind, it's not even okay. If you look at what, um, you know, what the NFL do in America, the NFL have probably the biggest, like, they're just freaks how athletic those guys are. You look at the NFL Combine and... Every single one of those guys would, you know, would be a professional athlete here in Australia. Every single one. I've always said if America took their focus off other sports and put it on rugby, they would have the greatest rugby team in the world because they're the ultimate hybrid athletes. You know, they're, you know, most of them have a track and field um, background. They're big as hell. A lot of like African Americans have that those crazy genetics where they can put on muscle mass and stay lean. They have an incredible propensity for workload. And to be honest, I would love to walk into a col- like a college football setup or a college rugby setup, which was I de- it was almost one of those things I considered. Like I have no doubt in my mind, and this isn't me being cocky. I have no doubt in my mind I could secure a rugby scholarship in a, at an American college. Like that's not. That's not even an issue to me. Um, it was more just I didn't want to leave the family here in Australia, um, and I'm not. But that's not an excuse. Like I didn't take the opportunity that I that would have been there. Um, but I just sorry if the cicadas are really loud. Um, it's summer in Australia, as you all know. But that yeah, they are really loud. I've even got the window. I've got the aircon on and the window closed. But um, my room has a huge window, so and trees out the front of it, so you can probably hear that. But. As I was saying, the problem with Australia is I never once in my rugby career thus far, I'm not done with rugby, but we'll get, you know, that's a, a different a different topic for a different day. Um never once in my rugby career was I given a proper strength strength and conditioning program. And I don't mean like body weight stuff, like, you know, three sets of twenty push ups and shit like that. I mean a proper you know, using um, strength movements, using mobility movements, um, not many isolation movements, but that's where I sort of fell into the wrong, I fell into the wrong kind of mold because for my last, you know, two years at school, I was doing bodybuilding training. You know, I was going in training chest one day, back the next day, legs the other, legs another day. But the problem was, is problem is, is if you don't train like an athlete, like if you don't train to be strong and by strong, I mean, you know, five reps or less, you're not going to be strong. Um, I, it was a huge weight. When I started sort of this powerlifting, uh, athlete program about, a, I only started squatting about a year ago. Um, and I've already got my squat up to about 180 kilos. It's not massively impressive, but it's, it is a hundred percent raw, like no equipment, um, no shoes or anything. So I'm pretty, I'm quite impressed with that. But the problem is, is if you don't train that way, you're not going to be, um, you're not going to be explosive. You're not going to be strong and fit. Um, if you look at a lot of bodybuilders, bodybuilders have no athleticism and that's not a knock on bodybuilders. They don't train to be athletic, but it sort of pisses me off when people say that bodybuilders are, you know, athletic and fit because most of them are on a co or on copious amounts of steroids, which I don't care what anybody says in long-term health, in terms of long-term health, they're absolutely terrible for your cardiovascular system. Um, and 
Also, with bodybuilding training, it's slow. It's about contracting the muscle. You know, I don't do any of that shit anymore. I do, and I, from a, a vain sort of way, I don't, you know, I don't look at how I look. I never look in mirrors. I don't even look at mirrors anymore. You know, that's how far I've come in terms of, you know, how comfortable I am with myself. But my physique has never been better. You know, I'm, I'm bigger, I'm stronger. My posture is so much better. Once I started um, training upper lower, you know, upper one day, no, lower the next, or, you know, full body work, my God, my posture improved. You know, I'm less tight um, because I spend so much more time on mobility. And this is, you know, these kind of sessions are the sessions that excite me. You know, Sunday is like my just athletic movement. I'm trying to be fast and dynamic and really doing things like an athlete. Because, you know, when you're an athlete, you don't say, you know, if someone tells you do a deadlift, you don't say, oh, well, shit, I don't have my lifting straps and my grip strength is fuck all. You say, yeah, I can do a deadlift with no equipment or, you know, sprint over 50 meters. You can do the sprint at a good pace and not be gassed afterwards. You see, this is the issue that we all, um, that I think is a huge issue and it's, it's no longer the fitness industry because the fitness industry would imply that people are fit. And to me, being fit, there's a reason why they, why when you do sports training, they call it fitness and it's normally a large amount of, um, you know, explosive weights work and as well as conditioning work is because that's what being fit is. It's not choosing one niche and going down it. Yeah. And that's why I think, you know, a lot of people demonize CrossFit. I think CrossFit's a crazy sport. I think it's awesome. Um, from my perspective, I would like to do it at some point, but my only issue with it is I think you, you probably should have a good, um, basis of knowledge in Olympic lifting before you start doing things for time and for reps. Um, but in terms of one rep, like doing one rep deadlifts, one left run, sorry, Jesus, one rep, um, you know, power cleans, clean and jerk snatches. I think those are you know, those are some of the best exercises. And I, at some point in the future, I will be doing Olympic lifting. I'm going to learn it. I am going to hire a coach at some point um, because I think those guys are some of the best athletes in the world. That's like the, the definition of explosiveness is Olympic lifting. If you watch them, just insane strength. But getting back to all of it. So with this new program, this, you know, the ultimate athlete program, um, what I'm focusing on is I'm starting my workouts with a ton of mobility work. So that starts for me, that starts every day when I go for a walk in the, when I walk my dog in the morning, you know, for 40, 45 minutes, normally 45 to 50 minutes. Um, you know, and that's just to get not only my body prepared for the day, but to get my mind prepared for the day, it, you know, it's to get the blood flow going and, you know, it loosen loosens my muscles a fair bit and, you know, but also my mind. So I put on some music and, I'm, you know, it's normally Tupac or something like that. And I just love, you know, I love walking and, um, you know, it's a great bonding experience with my dog. You know, she's my best friend. So it's an, it's an awesome walk. And then I get back and also, and then I have some stretching for a bit. So say this is mostly on lower body days, which I have three of per week, but I also did it today because yesterday was a lower body day. And today is going to be a, an explosive athletic day, which is going to um, use a fair amount of my posterior chain. So my glutes, my hamstrings, and my lower back as well. So I, I just did some, um, 
somewhat static stretches this morning, but mainly just some foam rolling, which is some self-myofascial release. You know, just try and get the lactic acid broken up in the muscles. You know, that's another thing. Um, people um, demonize, you know, quote-unquote cardio. To be honest, I don't really classify walking as cardio. I just classify it as part of my day. You know, so I have two 50-minute walks a day, um, one in the morning, one at night, and that's just that more... Like, if I didn't have a dog, I probably wouldn't do it. You know, that's to be honest. But, it, you know, she needs the exercise and we want to give her a good life. So that's the main point of it. But the mentality behind the walking is, you know, you get the muscles warmed up. Um, a lot of people demonize static stretching. Uh, I don't do much static stretching before a workout. I do a fair bit afterwards. After all my lower body sessions, I do a fair amount of static stretching. Um, I try and... So, for example, just with a hamstring stretch, you know, a lot of you guys will know when you have one leg out and one leg sort of tucked into the other leg or tucked into your midsection on the ground, you're just sitting down with one leg extended and you reach over to touch one leg. I can I can pretty much get my fingertips over the top touching my heel. So that's something I'm pretty proud of, you know, being athletic and in that sense. But also with dynamic stretching um, in the morning that's what I'm doing on my lower body days. So I need to get, you know, you need to get blood into the muscle. Um, and then you can sort of do a little bit of static stretching. You don't want to do too much static stretching because I just feel like it, um, it almost leaves my muscles a bit fatigued. It doesn't really, um, it doesn't really promote explosiveness and promote, um, energy within the muscles is what is what i feel you know i feel a bit tight after i've done some static stretching so um so i actually prefer not to i prefer to do it afterwards and that's what i found to be sort of a winning combination for me so it's a walk come home breakfast foam roll and then a bit of stretching bit of dynamic stretching rather go to the gym more dynamic stretching warm up the shoulders because every lower body day is almost always a squat day so warm up the shoulders, warm up the chest, stretch it out. Um, and then I start my first exercise is always an explosive movement. So for me, for all my upper body days, it's a, um, either a plyometric push-up. So for those of you who don't know, you can just search plyo push-up. What it is, is effectively I have a box either side of me and I'm going to do a normal push-up, but I'm going to explode up and I'm going to put my hands on the boxes. So what that's going to do is it's a true, you know, to be honest, it's not really a plyometric at all. Uh, a true plyometric involves 0.2 seconds or less of ground contact. Um, so it's more just an explosive power push-up. Um, so I might actually start record, like, uh, rather calling it that as a power push-up. But you want to push up really explosively and touch and put your hands on the box. And I might do, I only do sets of, um, you know, two to three, one to two to three of those. So, and I might do four or five sets. So four sets of two is one of my favorites. Um, and for a lower body, I do box jumps. So I'm not with box jumps. Look guys, I'm not trying to have a, a huge box jump. A box jump isn't even a true, um, a true representation of lower body power. To be honest, a, a true vertical, a true, um, representation of lower body power would be a vertical jump. So if you guys see um, at, you know, for example, the NFL combine, I like how the NFL test, apart from the 225, 225 pound bench press 
I don't think that has anything to do with athleticism whatsoever, and especially not that sport. However, um, you know, you do a jump and then you tap, um, what are they called? You guys know what I'm talking about. It's sort of, there's someone holding a pole beside you and you tap all the markers and they measure like the lowest or the top one. And then they measure the distance and the, some way they do it. Um, but for me, I think that is probably the best way because you've got to remember with a box jump, if you're using that to, exp- um, to describe lower body power, someone's propensity to be able to get their feet on the box is actually going to be a limiting factor for a lot of people. So if they have, you know, tighter glutes, tighter hamstrings, they're not going to be so flexible as to get their feet on the box. Um, and that, you know, I, but I just do it because, you know, it gets me warmed up, you know, especially when I'm landing as well. So I'll, you know, I have, I don't just jump off the box, you know, I drop one foot down, um, and then land with both feet and then push my knees out, turn the glutes on, uh, the glute medius, which is going to stabilize me through the squat. So everything, as you can see with this ultimate athlete program, everything has a purpose. Every single thing I'm doing has a purpose. And the reason why we're doing this is because we want to train like athletes and training like a bodybuilder is fucking boring to me, to be honest. Um, I, I just think this all has a purpose. This is how professional athletes train. And you don't have to be a professional athlete to train this way. Um, I, and I, tr- I promise you, it's so fun. What, and what we're attacking is all different aspects. So when we've done our explosive work, remember that's going to be higher sets and lower reps. So if someone's doing box jumps for time, that's not explosive work. You know, that's conditioning work. So explosive work is typically one to three reps of, um, with a, with a rest in between one to three reps. And it can even go as high as 10. If you're going to, you could do 10 singles, 10 times, 10 reps of one, but with a rest in between. Remember the goal with explosive, explosive work is not actually muscular fatigue. You should be as fresh at the end as you are at the beginning. That's why, to be honest, if you actually look at a lot of Olympic sprinters, those hundred meter sprinters, they look freaking fresh as anything after that hundred meter sprint. Cause it's only, it only lasts, you know, nine and a half seconds for those elite guys. Um, that's what it is. It's be, it's about being explosive, being rapid in the movement, being, you know, as dynamic as possible. So once we've done our explosive work, the next thing is going to be a strength movement. So for me, let's say it's a lower body day. It's going to be a squat or a deadlift. Um, I'm also, I also am conscious of, you know, being somewhat of a power lifter. So I don't do box squats too much. Um, I don't really track my, well, I do track my numbers on everything, but for me, it's a a low bar back squat and a conventional deadlift. They're my two main lower body weapons. You know, I like to use them. So for me, what I've been loving is I love doubles and triples. So I love yesterday for me was a squat day. So I did four sets of two on the box jumps and then I moved into six sets of two um, at 162 and a half, 162 and a half kilos um, on low bar squats. So six sets of two. And I feel just the the strength you're going to get and the, the density, the bone density is going to improve. This, you know, everything is just going to improve for you when you start doing strength work. I promise you that as long as you're willing to do the mobility that comes along. Because look, at the end of the day, heavy weight 
does make you tight. That's just the way it is. Um, a lot of people will argue, oh, well, it doesn't. Look, it's either a genetic... If it doesn't make you tight, it's a genetic thing or you do a shit ton of mobility. So that's where we want to be. We want to be at the point where we're not getting as tight anymore and we're mobile. Um, so there's not too much to explain about that. And then after that, I'm doing my accessory work. So for example, low bar squat is a glute and hamstring dominant movement, posterior chain dominant movement. My lower back is getting a good bit of work as well. My main focus after that is to do um, some quad dominant work. So I've like quad and glute. Remember the glutes are the most important muscle in the body um, for athlete performance. They protect the hip joint. Um, they're so they're just power. If you look at any professional athlete who is a fast runner, powerful, explosive, they have big glutes. You know, a lot of Olympic gymnasts have big glutes, and I'm not talking about like a a Kim Kardashian. You know, that's not glutes. You know, when I'm talking about glutes, I'm talking about strong muscle that's dynamic and able to move well. So I'll move on to more quad dominant work, um, such as, you know, I like doing split squats, which is effectively just a lunge. So for those of you guys who know a lunge, um, but you stand, you stay in the stationary position. So you're just going to lunge out and then you're just going to bounce up and down. What I also like is reverse lunge. So I'm going to stand with my two feet and instead of lunging out in front of you, you're going to lunge behind you and then with one foot and then back into the two feet. So, um, what that, what I actually like to do is I like to visualize myself running when I do the reverse lunge, because think about it. If you can make that motion of your leg coming in front of the other, uh, or rather coming from the back to the front, if you can make that as quick as possible with weight, without weight, it's going to feel very, very easy. So that's the goal. Um, and then I'll move on to maybe another Bulgarian split squat, which is my foot rested on a bench um, behind me. And then I'm just sort of pressing all through my front leg. So these are these are explosive movements that are going to develop the muscles we want to develop. So for me, I think the most important um, muscles in the body, really, they're the glutes, the hamstrings, the lower back. And then obviously there's aspects of, you know, having strong shoulders, having strong forearms, you know, having good grip strength is actually really important. Um, a lot of people think calves are important for like stepping, you know, sidestepping people. I, I've heard a lot of rugby players say to me, oh, you know, I just want big calves so I can step people. Um, when my, I combat that with the thought of look at, it's a weird thought, but look at like a horse or a deer. You're not going to say a horse is slow. But it, or even a dog. If you look at a horse or a dog, they don't have big calf muscles. It's like a, a rubber band. So what you want to be is, obviously, you don't. If you're looking for like an aesthetic physique, then yeah, develop your calves. But I don't do any calf work. If anything, it's just high rep, bouncing up and down, just getting that. Um, I feel like I've said explosive about a hundred times in this episode, but getting that, you know, that bounce, just light on your feet. Um, and just that's it's such an important thing um and another thing with so that's mainly like what, what my weight training is like basically how you pair it is dynamic warm-up or rather um foam rolling dynamic warm-up explosive movement explosive dynamic movement strength work and then your accessory hypertrophy work is what i like to do so um, and by hypertrophy, if you've already listened to my other episode, hypertrophy, I'm talking like 
six to 12 reps is what I like to do. Let's say three to four sets, six to 12 reps is what I think is pretty decent. Um, now we'll move on to conditioning. Now, a lot of people will say, oh, you know, I'm doing cardio and they do like 45 minutes slow as shit incline walk on a treadmill. Um, I want to kill myself when I walk on a treadmill. The only time I ever use a treadmill is to do sprints or to do um, to do a warm down from my lower body sessions just to get the blood the blood flowing again. But for me, I could not walk on a treadmill. There's nothing to see. You're just walking, looking at the freaking blank ass screen. It, that's boring. So for me, I'm always focused on, you know, where, what can I do to improve as an athlete? And for me to improve as an athlete, I'm talking things like interval training. So I like my favorite combo is 10 sets, 30 seconds on 30 seconds off as fast as you can. Now that is ruthless. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you guys. That is absolutely insanely ruthless. And by those 30 seconds on, you're going as hard as you can. You know, you're not holding back. And by set three or four, you're at that point where you're like, all right, I'm done now. And But you've got six left. So it's a very, very intense workout. I would not recommend starting with 10 sets of 30 on, 30 off. But that's, for me... I, I like to do the rower or the ski erg or to that, to be honest today, I might actually do the treadmill or do some sprints. Um, just get the, get the body moving. A lot of the times I like to do conditioning off my feet. So, you know, that's where the rower comes in. Or if you've got a sore lower body, um, something such as the ski erg. Um, so for those of you who don't know, that's the machine where you sort of stand on it and there's two green pulleys at the top and you rip them down and you sort of go like that. Um, it says ski erg on it, though. You, it's a pretty weird-looking machine. You'll know how it looks um, if you've seen it before, but you'll know them straight away. Basically, what I'm focused on is just fatiguing myself in the shortest possible period of time. So doing those intervals, I improve everything. I improve um, you know, my post-oxidative consumption, which means that I'm burning more calories later on, um, for for up to twenty four to thirty six hours is actually what the what the science shows. I think it's up to thirty six hours. It could be like thirty two hours or something like that. But let's round it up. Um, but the science does show that calories are burned all the way up until that point. So that's why I believe that high intensity um, interval training is superior to your slower, you know, bodybuilding cardio where you just do thirty minutes on the treadmill at an incline walk. And it like it, it just it it is boring, isn't it? I don't think it's interesting at all. So for me, I'll finish the workout with ten sets on, thirty on. I mean, sorry, ten sets, thirty seconds on, thirty seconds off, and that'll be my um, conditioning. That'll be my workout done. And I promise you, what is the most important thing about all of this is recovery. So for me, when I do any conditioning or any day when I sweat a lot, I'm using my hydrolytes, um, and I have no. No problem naming this brand out because they do make a phenomenal product. You know, the pun was not intended, but it just worked very conveniently there. Um, they don't make a great product. My headaches post-exercise have hugely decreased. For anyone who's played rugby with me, they'll know I used to get the worst headaches, like the most ruthless headaches after rugby games. I couldn't do anything. I'd have to just go home and lie in a dark room. They'd be so horrible. And I... And it, I didn't know what was going on because I, um, I drank so much water. 
I'd drink like five liters of water after the game and I'd still be getting the headaches. But what I didn't understand was it was my electrolytes. There was an imbalance of my electrolytes, you know. So when you sweat, you know, you sweat out the sodium or the salt, you sweat out electrolytes. That's why salt, I mean, sorry, sweat tastes salty if it's ever run into your mouth. Um, So I like to do, I train with a one and a half liter bottle and I'll throw four to six tabs of electrolytes or hydrolytes in there. And I'll just drink that as not as quick as I can, but pretty quickly because I want that to get to work. So that's what I try to do. I'll also down a protein shake. So um, just two scoops of whey protein. I'm not going to name a brand because if they want, they can pay me for that. Uh, (laughs) But I like to get 50 grams of protein in. So there's plenty of good brands out there. You guys know what you're doing, but um, that's not essential. You don't need a protein shake. Just go home and have some, get some food into you, get some carbs into you, get some food uh, and protein into you. That's the main thing. So that's basically the program that I'm sort of running at the minute. It's uh, about being athletic, being dynamic, um, strong, not so much big anymore. I don't look, I am the complete opposite. When someone says, oh man, I just can't get any bigger. I'll be like, in my head, I'll be like, geez, I wish I sort of had that problem because I, I touch, I look at weights and I get bigger. You know, it's stupid. I don't really understand it. I think it's a, it might be a genetic thing. Um, but I I just grow so easily that I needed, I've had to decrease the actual volume. So that's why I'm not doing really much hypertrophy work anymore. Remember, I'm, I don't really do 12 reps. I don't actually, I don't think I've gone over 10 reps for months. Um, you know, that, that for me has just been, it's, it's a lifestyle change. You know, I don't want to be that big guy anymore. I want to, I'd still want to be like quite big, but I want to be that strong athletic guy who can do a lot of things. That's why, you know, I have goals like it, at some point in my life, I want to do a powerlifting meet an Olympic weightlifting meet, um, and run a marathon, run a 42 kilometer, mar- a proper marathon where I enter and like where, a, I don't know, what do you call them? A badge or whatever the hell they call them. Um, but you know, that is a goal of mine and it's a big goal. You know, the marathon is going to be ruthless. I know it is. And hopefully I can do it in the Australian winter, but, um, I've got a few things I need to sort out before then. I need to sort out my ankle. My ankle's still pretty bad. Um, I also need to sort out building up towards that. So obviously I'm not going to say, give me six months and I'll do a marathon. I want to be running like very large distance. I want to be able to do at least a half marathon before I start training for a marathon. So, you know, they're sort of my goals. We'll be on for 31 minutes now. Um, but that's where it is. That's, um, this is just called being an athlete. Um, but for me, the ultimate, being the ultimate athlete is finding your aspect of training and mixing, mixing it with other things, you know, I think I'd love to be better at body weight stuff like gymnastics and calisthenics. They're awesome. And you know, it's all about, you don't have to be restricted to one aspect of this training thing. You can do all of them because all of them complement each other. You'd be amazed. Um, but you know, that's pretty much all I have to say today. I hope whatever you're doing today, you have a great day. Um, I'm certainly having a great day. I'm looking forward to a good week. All right, just quickly. Um, the first, installment of the phenomenal t-shirt has arrived um i've just have one at the minute but i will be selling them very soon and i'm really happy with how they turned out 
really, really happy. The the quality, and I'm I'm not just saying. You know me. Like if I would, if it was shit, I would tell you it's shit. But the quality is absolutely insane on them. They've got that. If you've ever felt a really good quality hundred percent cotton t shirt, it's kind of almost a little bit stretchy and pre shrunk. Um, and it's got that feeling. It's, it's just awesome. I'm, I'm stoked with them. So we should be producing a few more. Um, I believe my manufacturers open up again, January 8th. So obviously I'd have to, uh, advertise for them a bit. Otherwise I've just got dead obsolete stock. Um, and I've got to find somewhere to, you know, store all the stuff. So I've got a bit of planning to do over the Christmas period. Um, but I hope whatever you're doing today, you have an awesome day. I know I'm having a great day. Um, And I want to thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Phenomenal Podcast. I'm going to catch you guys in the next one.